Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Failure Peace Theater. I am your amiable co-host, Tim, and joining me, as always, is... Catherine. And uh, today, we're here to talk about video games. Yay! I don't know if you've heard my my indelible co-host, but video games have finally... They finally reached a peak, right? They finally... They finally achieved recognition. They're finally right? real. Yeah, finally they're real because Hollywood in its infinite wisdom has, has finally taken a video game story. You know, those garbage, just shitbag stories that video games can't tell. Games don't and have f- stories. Come on. I, I guess that's true. And they finally turned one into a masterpiece. Uh, and that is called The Last of Us. Um, And, and I'm... I'm going to be the first to say, I watch The Last of Us every week uh, with my family, um, and it's very good. I enjoyed it. It was a wonderful adaptation. It made some smart choices, several choices that were better choices than the original game made, uh, because games are also playable, so you have to shape their stories into playable experiences rather than passive experiences, but um, I enjoyed it. It was an excellent adaptation of a story that was trying to be like a movie, <laughs> yeah. which I found ironic, like last of us and uncharted and most of the naughty dog output, you know, post the crash bandicoot years um, or hey, Jack and Daxter hey. years. I know right? we don't like to talk about those years. Don't go disparaging the greats. <clears throat> That's right. We can't, we can't forget about where we came from, but like, most of naughty dogs output has been designed to replicate a filmic experience, right? They were pioneers, pioneers in 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 uh, performance capture and motion capture, and incorporating that into video game cutscenes and designing lifelike, realistic-looking characters. Like the people at Naughty Dog with the Uncharted games were trying to tell an Indiana Jones story. Last of Us was a you know sort of Walking Dead story, very good ones, but. You know, it, it doesn't. It didn't surprise me that Last of Us was good because it was adapting a story that had already been honed to a, a fine sheen over the course of you know the the five to six year development cycles of a good Naughty Dog game. So, but but what you know, as we were talking about, you know, what we wanted to do for this episode, you know, we inevitably came down to this idea that. We, we keep having this sort of cyclical experience in, in, in news media where it's like a, a video game property gets adapted or gets you know shifted into some other realm. And then we get this flood of articles that are just people being like, ah, oh, finally, finally, video games have achieved success. Finally, video games have become legitimate enterprises for storytelling. I, I hate that. Yeah. It's it's it. it's kind of dumb because we've been doing it now for thirty ish years, um, you know. Uh, I mean, really, since the eighties, when most of the early, you know, like massive Nintendo properties were being adapted into, you know, some very bad films, right? We yeah. we're well aware of those. Um, I'm still waiting also, for a live action Pac Man movie. Hey, Am I ever gonna get um, it? Have you seen Pixels? Because there's a whole section in the middle that's basically live action Batman. I've seen Pixels. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen it several times because my son loved it. I, in general, <laughs> I don't engage with video game Adam properties. Adam Sandler. 
Um, yeah. The one video game movie that I saw recently that I truly enjoyed was the one with Ryan Reynolds. Because it was uh, dumb. F- free Guy? Free yes. Guy. Yes. That's the yeah. one. <laughs> you can see what a lasting impression it made on me. It did, um, yes. Well, if that had a memorable title problem, for sure. Yeah. Like It's like, hmm, okay. I... I have not watched The Last of Us, uh, mm-hmm. and I haven't played the second game, and I haven't yeah. played any of the remastered editions Re- of the first remastered game. Remastered remake edition part two, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I have <laughs> reasons. Um, I I would not say that I enjoyed. The Last of Us. I'm a big Uncharted fan because Uncharted, yeah, Uncharted gives me that gives yeah. me kind of what I'm looking for in a video game, and also what I'm looking for in movies. I I'm all about it. If you you sure. want to make Indiana Jones in right now and put, have him go on little adventures, that sounds great. Um, yeah, it's a template that is is proven. And it dovetails very nicely with video games because the Indiana Jones style MacGuffin quest is, you know, it just, it meshes very well with what a player would want to be doing inside of a video game. But I struggle with super serious games that tell miserable, harrowing stories of people coming to terms with things because... I like to read Cormac McCarthy books. I don't know that I want to see movies <laughs> or play video games of Cormac McCarthy books because they're very difficult. It's difficult yes, material. Yeah. It's they're struggle games, yeah. And I I just don't enjoy that games are the way that I disconnect and if something just if it makes me too sad, I'm like, man, I'm not even having fun anymore. I played it because, you know, it's clearly it was artistic, it was really well done, it was well written. I'm not saying it's a bad game. I'm just saying I I don't want to do that to myself. <laughs> and I kind of feel that way about a lot of media. If something is is a lot, like usually a movie, you know, it's it's a, it's a couple hours and by the end it's like, "Well, I'm glad that I did that, but let's never do it again." Yeah, I mean, it's it's Requiem for a Dream, right? Yeah, I don't like Requiem for a <sighs> Requiem for a Dream is the greatest movie that I have no desire to ever watch again. Um, you know, and well, that, I mean, most I've, of Aronofsky's output falls into that category. I've talked about how being about that movie. Um, but it, yeah, I, I kind of feel similarly. Like, I don't, I don't begrudge it existing. I just don't have any desire to revisit it. Um, also, I, I'm struggling a bit with. Pedro Pascal oversaturation. I kind of wish he would go that, away for a while. That man is everywhere. Like, Please stop <laughs> showing me little little fan cams of Pedro Pascal. Please stop showing me pictures. I just don't care. Um so yeah, there's there's a little bit of that too. Current, where the current it, it guy, yeah. You know, it happens it happens with the best of them. Every every actor you know, it happened with George Clooney, and I love George Clooney. I'll love him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For the there rest the of his Clooney days, era, the Matt Damon era. I mean, yeah, it's just they're just everywhere. You know, they've they've hit you know, a critical point in their careers. They're taking lots of work. They're working. If I'm if, if I'm really stepping in. it back, every era has to have a Cary Grant, mm-hmm. and eventually yeah. people were like, "No more Cary Grant, we're done." 
Yeah, um, I mean, it's it's almost a callback to the studio system, right? You have yeah. you have a player who is is incredibly popular. A the ladies love sort him. of locks them the down. Men want to be him, you know? right? And and they just work, and they're just producing, producing, producing. Um, you know, I I will say that after having watched The Last of Us, where I think you know Pascal gets to really he gets to really act like a lot of the properties he's been in have been, you know, one's the Mandalorian. So he's in a helmet the whole time. You can't see him. And most oh, of the time, right. he's the Boba Fett on the show. Yeah. Like you never see his face. So it's just voice acting. That's it. <laughs> like, I know that's not is. his, I know they're not called Boba Fett, <clears throat> but I'm never going to let go of that. I mean, it's fine. No, they're all Boba that. Fett's. God damn it. Yep. Boba Fett plus two. <laughs> uh, but it's, uh, Last of Us, he really does get a chance to act. I mean, because it is a heavy story, um, and and the television show leans into leans into certain heavy areas of the story that the video game even just sort of glossed over, right? Like they were background elements that you know, because in a video game you have this delicate balancing act where you need to keep the player involved in the current story. So if you spend all these times in flashbacks and cutscenes you know, you get the Hideo Kojima problem where it's like, okay, well, what, what am I doing? Right. Like, okay, so I understand, bitch. I understand the 34 years of backstory you just shared with me in that four hour cutscene, but like, what am I supposed to be doing? Am I shooting this guy? Am I running? Like what, what's happening? And so like, you know, Naughty Dog, because they have this incredibly iterative development process where they just hone and refine and refine and refine you know, they sort of had that game cut down to a, to a, a sort of perfect sheen, right? It's, it's a, it's a very well paced video game. Like you just kind of keep moving, you get little bits of story at key moments. There's a lot sort of done sort of diegetically through dialogue as you move through spaces where they're talking, you know, and, and the, and the, the show sort of pulls elements out of those things and makes decisions about how to share them and where they should go. And, um, and it's very good. I mean, it, it's a straight adaptation of the video game. Like, I don't want to make it seem like it's this radical reinterpretation of Last of Us. Like, there are shots in it, scenes in it, moments in it that are just straight from the video game. They had the template. They had everything done. They just recreated it. And I think that's smart. But where they could push in, they did. Um, and, and that made it unique enough that even as somebody who has played the video game a couple of times, um, I was still engaged, which is good. So I, I'm, you know, I don't want this episode to to be a discussion of of you know the Last of Us adaptations quality. Well, I think that's it would be really one sided if it was because I haven't seen it because <laughs> you haven't seen it, and and so I would just be me being like, well, well, in this scene, um, but I mean, what I do want to talk about is this this again this idea that video games have just now, after after you know fifty years of being a viable and successful industry have just now achieved some form of legitimacy, right? Like now, ah, oh, finally video games and other media properties can finally, you know, say, ah, oh, we've done it. We've achieved perfection. And, and I don't really, I, I dismiss the premise out of hand because Again, Last of Us is sort of the perfect video game vehicle to try and adapt because it was already trying to be a movie in many ways. But also, I don't think that video games have to be held to the standard of Hollywood adaptation for them to be good. 
And so the one that we kind of settled on to discuss to sort of <laughs> circle around this is Doom. Mm. Because the video game Doom has a perfect video game story. Space Marine, Lost on Planet, yep. must survive demons. Demons. Portal to hell. It's open. Portal to hell. Demons Portal to hell through. open. Demons are coming through. We're doing this. Um, it's simple. It's pure. So the, the, you know, the original doom was, you know, 1993. It was perfect. It was, it was one of the, I mean, it is the, it's not the first first person shooter, no but it is, it is, it is the template that all following first person shooters were built from because they, you know, I love doom. So Doom is still a fun, playable game. I still play Doom. Now, granted, I usually will start up Doom 2 because, I don't know, I just I have special feelings about that game. And if you get into the Doom community, which for some reason, I am a bit still part thriving. of it. Uh, yeah. Well, like, I, I am very embedded in retro first-person shooters and the very weird community surrounding them. So, like, Doom... It hasn't gone anywhere. It's still no. very important, and it's there's still people are still making megawads. You know, if you know what that is. Um, I know you know what that is. I know what that is. Yes. Uh, I love Doom so much. It's it's one of those games that I have purchased it on just about every device system that it's been ported to, because it's just easy to drop into it it's easy to get lost in it it has infinite replay value um because it just it's it's almost a blank slate in some ways um and the gameplay is is darn near perfect as far as a first person shooter i mean it's old mm-hmm. and fuck you if you don't like old games you go to hell um it's great it's just it's a great game Yes. However, I don't think anyone expected it to be a great movie, which is good for this movie. Mm-hmm. Yes, keeping expectations low helps this film. Very low. Like I, <laughs> I, I seek to raise people's expectations with the games. Like, no, you should walk into this knowing that you're about to just touch the face of God. It's legendary. It doesn't get better than this. The movie, well... Don't pay money to see it. <laughs> like Which can, at this point, it's challenging to pay the money to see this. So that's you can good. watch it for free. You should watch it for free. Um. Yes. So. So. I mean. I. And. And in discussing this, I. I want to. To basically broach and sort of circle around this idea that video games don't need to be adapted into films to to have good stories that accomplish the function of the video game, which I don't think anybody is really debating at this point. Um, You know, and and our purpose here generally is to find merit in films that were sort of seen to be without merit at the time. And there's certainly some things of the, the film we're going to discuss, which is doom 2005 um, that I I think are, there are some things here that, that do work. There are some elements here that I think are are worthy of the Doom name, but if anything, what we see 
in this is the opposite with the last of us, right? The, the other part of, of the last of us that is very good is that the uh, writer, um, the writer of, of the scary movie series, Craig Mazin. I don't know if you're familiar. Sadly, I am. He's written other stuff too. He also wrote Chernobyl. So, I mean, yeah. that's where this is more on the Chernobyl side than the scary movie side, but Chernobyl I don't know. So I mean, talk about things stuff. that were so good and I don't ever want to see them again. Precisely. Yes. I don't ever want to watch Chernobyl again, but Mazin said early on in his adaptation process that his, he, he was planning to have a very light hand, right? Like he respected the story that Naughty Dog told in the original game. And he just wanted to sort of bring that to life and use some of the medium of film that video games don't have access to, you know, some of the tools at their disposal to, to sort of like bring it into this other space, but fully understanding that the game and the story that Naughty Dog told in the original was perfectly serviceable as is, right? He was not, there was nothing about him coming in that said like, I'm going to make this better. I'm going to finally legitimize this story that these dumb video game designers kind of fucked up. Like that was never part of his plan. And I think that that's, that needs to be the attitude that more people adapting video game properties, if they choose to go with, because Mm. the doom story is, is perfect because it's simple. It doesn't have to be complicated. And the more you complicate it, the worse it becomes. Now, part of the problem with doom 2005 is that much of the adaptation material was being derived from doom three and doom three at this point is pretty legendary for being a not great video game. And and okay, this is, this is a tangent, but people have softened on that game and I don't understand it. Like it's having a comeback They have where people are like, no, actually it was good. And that's fine. If that's whatever. But at the I mean, time, yeah. it was a huge disappointment. Well, never forget. No, you cannot obtain a version of Doom 3 that that is like this anymore because it has been patched to be removed. But do not forget that Doom 3 <laughs> released and you could not have a flashlight oh my God. and a gun out at the same time. You had to either switch to your flashlight and then switch to a gun or, you know, whatever. And the game was notoriously dark. Like, it yeah. was impossible to see anything in that some game. Of the, some of the earliest of dark and photoshops that I remember making and, and participating in was was changing the Doom logo to say dark. Yeah. Because it was dark. dark. Um, um, yeah, you know, and very famously, Carmack worked out some significant lighting engine stuff with that that game. You know, he he solved some complicated math problems. But it, it was it was notoriously bad. Uh, all subsequent renditions, like I think the only edition you can buy now is the BFG edition, and and that one has the the basically the duct tape mod. And it's uh, where it's you know, worth they, they put pointing the out the that Doom had a nice long break before good, Doom yes, Three. Yes, very much. So. It was like ten years almost. Yeah. Well, eight, I guess. Um. Um. <clears throat> because Doom Three was like two thousand four. And there had been Doom and Doom 2, and then there was, like, Ultimate Doom, Final Doom. And and they did, like, the the 64 version of Doom, which, all fine, but not fundamentally that different, you know? Like, those weren't weren't tremendously different games. And then the big upgrade was Doom 3. Right. 
and, and then I mean, this and, movie. And it's, <laughs> right, and then the movie. <laughs> and let's let's not forget that id software kind of fell apart in the 90s carmack went his own uh well carmack stayed but you know john romero left a lot of that core creative team behind doom one and doom two which were released very quickly in succession with each other you know they they kind of split um you know the late id 90s to early 2000s is when games just exploded yes just everything I mean, at, exploded in a lot of cases because of doom yes um you know, but it focused on the Quake series, and that was kind of Carmack's baby. Um, ah, Quake. And and you know they kind of went that direction, and then they they you know came back to Doom after they had sort of you know launched what we would now call the three D shooter with uh, Quake Three. Yeah. So. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Video games. Video Sorry. games. Uh, so, but the the film version of Doom after the massive success of the games in the early nineties was entirely derailed because of the, the Columbine shootings. Um, yeah. And we're, we're still in America, you you know, the only nation where this regularly happens says nothing can be done about this. Um, we're, we're still circling around this, but the, the, the boogeyman that the Columbine shooters you know, had hung around them so that we didn't have to have a discussion about, you know, reasonable gun laws. Yeah. Where did those fuckers get guns? But let's not talk about that. No, 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 Where did they get these access to video games? One of them had doom on his computer. So that's, that's where he trained it. Uh, And again, I'm not going to get into that debate. I I, I didn't know those people and, and the hype around that, but I mean, American McGee, one of the designers at it at the time, you know, has done interviews where he said that basically the the implication that the thing that they had made that was meant to be fun and and you know build a community, and and create a new space in video games, you know, that being accused of being responsible for this horrific tragedy kind of ruined all of them, right? Like they just they couldn't. I mean, he personally said that it it sort of took all the joy out of making video games from him for a while. So, you know, I, I don't want to, you know, debate or, or try to legislate an issue on a movie yeah. podcast. Well, I mean, there is no debate. Yeah, guns are the problem. I, it's guns. I, yeah. You know, it You know, it just might be. I don't know. <laughs> <ain't it? laughs> you know I, I just, you know, personally, I don't feel like, I don't feel like there's even a conversation there. It's just like, well, guns are the problem because right. clearly video games aren't. I, but, I, you know. Even still, that that had a big dent in in game development and game playing. Yeah, it was ev- hard to play video games like that. Yes. Um, yeah, everything kind of fell out. I remember, mm-hmm. you know, being accused several times of being a violent person because I played Doom, <laughs> because yeah, I shot oh, totally. space demons. <laughs> like, okay, right. you don't want yeah, me you, to shoot the space demons? Well, you, kill, you killed thinly veiled Dungeons and Dragons references in a virtual space. So sorry. Some sort of terrible person. But, you know, the, the film rights had picked up and, and were in active development, and then they just dropped. So the yeah. film rights reverted, they moved around. Um, and, you know, it, it, it sort of, of, took a project that might've had steam in a particular direction and sort of deflated it completely. Eventually, uh, John Wells and our, our good buddy, Lorenzo de Bonaventura, um, were able to resecure the rights and, and then, you know, set up a new project. And, and that was the, the movie that we got. But 
you'll notice some key differences, right? As we mentioned before, Doom's story is, is kind of ridiculously simple. Space Marine, obvious aliens reference, and there are aliens references all over this film. Yeah. Um, Space Marine goes to Mars, planet the, the moon of Mars, Phobos, which is dropped from the film completely, becomes overrun. He goes there and, uh, you know, is left alone single man fighting against the demonic hordes, right? Standard, you know, sort of video game setup. And, you know, this film attempts to distance itself from that as quickly as possible, right? The, the concept of demons, which, you know, again, this is, this is Bush era pro-conservative America as well. So there is almost no mention at all of demons, I think at one point he says this place is hell. It's always been hell, but that's the only reference to any kind of like actual yeah. demonic force in the entire thing. It's all this scientific genetic research past aliens stuff that just complicates things over much. Um, and, and frankly, even, you know, Doom left open, right? I mean, like they were demons, but it didn't really spend a lot of time trying to be like, oh, what's the what's the source of the demons? The the newer rendition of Doom, Doom 2016, which I do want to mention here, because I think Doom 2016 sort of side glances at all of this stuff, like the movie too, just sort of looks at it and goes like, yeah, no, we can do better than that. <clears throat> sort of goes a different direction and sort of gets back to that pure, you know, just like doom slayer versus the demonic hordes kind of concept that the original game had, which is why I think that doom 2016 remake is, is probably one of the best like pure first person shooter experiences I've had in quite some time. Um, doom eternal is insane. I love it. I love it. (laughs) I mean, it's really, it's a fun game to play, but I, the, I had zero investment in the story whatsoever. I don't care. You know what? I, you know, if I'm being totally honest, I don't care about the story. I just I want to rip and tear, and that's what and I that got game to is do good for that. Yep. Mm-hmm. I mean, once I unlocked the super shotgun with the the uh, the the grappling hook or whatever, that's pretty much the only gun I used for the rest of the game. But those new ones, they do in a lot of ways capture the what a dipshit I was about Doom when it was released because I just sit yeah. and I, I just, I don't know. It's like, I lose my mind. Like, ah, I just, like I just make stupid oh, yeah, noises propulsive. and it's just, it's so exciting. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I love it. Impulsive to play through 2016 for me is an unequivocal success because it yeah. is, it is that perfect balance. I knew I was going to love that game. So, th- so doom 2016 opens with the, the doom slayer, the, the player character, awakening in a room like he's been unsealed from some kind of crypt and there's like all these monsters and you kind of wake up and you beat up those monsters and then you get your armor you know because the the doom slayer armor and then like a dude contacts you it's samuel hayden or satan for sure (laughs) uh s hayden right satan uh he contacts you and he's kind of telling you the situation and and in that game they did a smart thing where it's like they're trying to draw power from the demonic realm. Like they're sucking energy from it and using that to solve our our energy crisis, which is kind of clever. I mean, that's good. But so 
like you know you he starts talking to you and he's like on this panel and he's like oh only you could help us solve this problem and the doom slayer just like punches the panel as hard as he can in time to the music and the whole thing just kind of stops and I was like, oh yeah, this is going to be fun. This is going to be a good game. Uh, and and they are. But what, what Doom sets forth, the film, for me, the, prim- the premise that I will support, is that by default, Hollywood has no confidence in the stories that video games are trying to tell. From, from the simple to the complex. And one of the reasons why Last of Us is being looked at now as a success is because there was finally someone in creative control of a major sort of quote-unquote Hollywood project that said the the story that's being told here in this game has value and worth. And again, that's not difficult to see with a Naughty Dog game. Naughty Dog is, is very good at what it does as a game developer in telling filmic story tips, you know, know, stories like that's good. But what I want to say is that doom in the simplicity of its story is also enough. And the problems that this film gets into are because it's trying to layer on stuff that it doesn't need. Yeah. Doing too much. It's doing far more than it needs to do. And so, you know, if, if there's a lesson to be taken from this right off the jump, it's that if you are going to go to video games as another source of intellectual property to build into what inevitably people are going to want to turn into film franchises, cinematic universes, whatever, then you need to respect the story that that video game is telling, whatever that video game is. Cause if it, if that video game blew up and, and doom and doom two blew up, then you've got to understand that there are elements of that that are resonating with people outside of the shooty monster bits. Right. And whether it's the story that's so sparse that you, you fill in the gaps in your head or the story that's just enough to sort of propel you forward, there's value in that. And you need to look to that value and it doesn't matter if it's mortal Kombat, you know, which again has been, there've been several attempts to sort of bring that in Um, whether it's doom, whether it's, um, you know, the battlefield bad company games, which I still hear people say, Oh, these would make great, like goofy action movies, which mm. probably so, you know, whatever it may be like there's, there's value to these, these stories being told. And I'm, I'm sort of tired of Hollywood being the one that gets to decide, well, these stories have value in video games and these stories don't. Because inevitably what's happened is that studios look at the stories that they don't think have value. You know, some guy's sitting in a boardroom and he says, well, I don't get why the kids like this shit, but we'll adapt it because I guess they like movies. You know, like Resident Evil is a great example, right? Which I don't hate the first Resident Evil film. It's not a good film. No. But it's it's fine, right? It's If you look at it for what it was, which was it was supposed to be a George Romero zombie movie before George Romero dropped out because they were trying to be too weird about making a zombie movie again, then it works just as a zombie movie. If you look at it as a resident evil adaptation, it's nonsensible, right? Like it doesn't make any sense apart from the fact, Oh, there's a corporation called umbrella and a liquor. That's it. I am. Whereas there's nothing wrong with that first resident evil story. Like it's goofy, but it's really good. And, and it's got all this like, interesting drama to it but 
I am in general just anti-adaptation. Um, I won't ever say you can't because I also feel like the game that I love cannot be ruined by a shitty movie. Well, and and let's let's talk about the source of this opinion, which uh, probably has something to do with our friend Marky Mark and his Funky Bunch, and the adaptation. Fuck the Max Payne movie. Fuck it in its stupid ass. It fucking sucks. You know what sucks is there's a a there's a shitty fucking DVD of it sitting on our shelf right over there because I got one too. Because well, I don't own it. I would never. I would never, but my boyfriend made those games in part. I mean, other people helped. Um, sure. So we I have mean, all they- of this Max Payne stuff sitting around. And unfortunately, he has a free copy of the terrible movie. It's garbage. Anyway, but we should do it on this Mila podcast. Kunis, Mila Kunis was Mona Sack. If you would um, like to hear me complain more, <laughs> please leave us a comment on our web zones. Yes. On our web zones, we'll see the pizza rolls. <laughs> I will record um, <clears throat> four and a half hours of me complaining about the Max Payne movie, and I don't even have to watch it again. And again, I mean, you know, that's this is what we're talking about. Is like people have been trying this for a long time, and and the the reasons why they don't work are myriad. But my my personal feeling is is a lack of fundamental respect for the source material as it exists, and I think that that's purely evident in Doom, because the elements that work about Doom are the things pulled almost directly from the source material. Now there, there are some other game adaptations that have, I feel been successful. Mm -hmm. I feel like the silent Hill movie was a success or at least it was in my heart. I don't care if the original like it. I think so. I I, I mean, the problems with the silent Hill adaptation, um, which is one that I, I still kind of have on the back burner. Once once we get closer, the Silent Hill 2 remake is on its way out. Christoph Gans has been reattached to do another Silent Hill film, which he said is, is supposed to be an adaptation of Silent Hill 2, which is a kind of standalone story. Um, again, my, my issues with the Silent Hill film are are mostly where it chooses to heavily diverge from the original story being told and sort of flesh out different ideas. Um, but I, I do, I love the original Silent Hill. I, I picked up the uh, Scream Factory Blu-ray, uh, the, the sort of remastered collector's edition, because um, the the only edition of that that I owned was a German um, HD DVD of Silent oh, yeah. Hill. Because the American, the first, uh, the first run American Blu-ray was a terrible transfer. Like it was, it was horrible. Um, in, in a film that looks as good as the original Silent Hill does, and it does look very good, um, I was completely dismayed by the quality of that that product. Um, so it's been the new Scream Factory one is a different transfer. It looks much better, but the the HD DVD was a, a better quality. So I, I went with that one when it, it first came out. And so, you know, I, I too, I, I feel like that film works for the most part. I think the ending's pretty rough. Um, a lot gets put on Rada Mitchell in those last 20 minutes and it just kind of doesn't work super well, but I think it mostly comes down to the screenplay and Roger Avery is a terrible person. So yeah, um, maybe, maybe that's the issue. If we can get a better screenwriter, maybe we'll be okay. But visually uh, I think Silent Hill is, is a great flick. 
I'm also and, a big fan of the 1995 and, Mortal and Kombat. Scene oh yes, we've we've talked about um, the the 95 Mortal Kombat. I I too feel like that's a, a pretty fun adaptation, and again, it it embraces the nature of of the games. You know, it's yeah. not trying to be something else. It's goofy and it's silly. Somebody played the game and was like, "Well, this is silly." this is silly and fun. Let's do this. You know, there's a scene on a beach where two characters fight for no reason. Right? That's, like, great. That's, that's mortal Kombat. Welcome. There's, to a, the scene. there's a big guy. He's got four arms. <laughs> Yay. A big animatronic dude with four arms who gets kicked in the nuts. And it's great. Fantastic. <laughs> Why does he have nuts? Who knows? I, how could uh, we possibly know that that's where his nuts would be located? We were just, just lucky. I mean, if lucky you've got guess. four arms, You've got four arms. They could be anywhere. Let's be honest. But the Doom okay. movie, I won't sidetrack anymore. Let's let you know. It, it's good. I mean, this is the discussion I wanted to have. It's like, well, what makes a good video game adaptation? And and for me, it's when it hoves to the original source materials content. The best that it can making at making decisions that only make changes when that is is quite literally a better decision than the decision that was made originally. Yeah, Which, and- again, is where Last of Us made some good choices, you know, because uh, I, I don't think this would count as a spoiler. But in the original Last of Us game, you go to this town. There's a dude there named Bill. He yeah, lives yeah. by himself. He's this prepper. He's a doomsday guy. He was from the start, right? The implication is, is that he was planning for an apocalypse well before it happened. And so now he kind of runs this town. You go there because you need supplies and blah, blah, blah. And over the course of being in the town through what Naughty Dog does very well, which is environmental storytelling, you find notes from this guy named Frank. Bill sort of offhandedly mentions that he had had a partner, that they worked together, but he disappeared. And eventually, over the course of the game, you you find a dude who hung himself in you know one of the houses in town close to your objective, where you're trying to get to. And there's like a you know, and, and so the implication is, is it's this guy like he was trying to get away and he got trapped and, and he hung himself rather than be you know torn apart by the, the zombie hordes. And it's this it's, it's this side story, right? It's like if you didn't find it, the main story of the game is not going to be affected. You know, it, it's just this like, oh, is this kind of who Bill is? Right. Was he with this guy? And. So that was a good choice, right? And it sort of sets up what we eventually find out about Ellie, which is that she's gay. And so it's this interesting parallel. It's it's a good story choice. What the, the television show decided to do was to greatly expand that relationship between Bill and, and his partner, Frank. It explains its origins, where they came from, the life they had together, how Joel and, and his partner eventually sort of intertwined with their lives. Again, stuff that was just sort of in the game and part of the game, but backgrounded. They said, hey, this is a much more important idea. We need to bring this to the forefront. We need to highlight this. We need to make this a bigger part of the story that we're telling, which fantastic idea, right? They hired great actors. They told great stories and and as a result created, you know, some really memorable moments in television, right? That's great, right? They took an element and said, this is more important. We're going to push in here. And I think good video game adaptations are capable of doing that, saying like, okay, well, this part that was really just sort of this background thing in in the video game, maybe we could make this a much bigger element here. But there should still be ties to that source material, right? Just the stuff that you create wholesale, you've, I think you've got to have a really 
careful consideration of why is this here? How does it connect? And it seems like a lot of times in Hollywood, they just sort of apply these basic tropes on top to sort of fill in where they think that, that the story can't support itself. And, and generally those choices are wrong. Like they're just straight wrong as we can see. I, I've always felt like it comes down to most of the people making those decisions, like story decisions, whether it's screenwriters or, you know, a writers, a writing team, like a whole bunch of people is that they probably don't have much respect for the original, like the source. Yeah, totally. Mm hmm. So they think like, well, we've got to make it better because, you know, a video game doesn't have a story. And that's right. and just the people writing it don't have the proper credentials. Yeah, and like most the of them are just kind of done in bad faith where it's like this isn't even. This isn't even this. This is even someone who likes video games. One of the things I like about the Silent Hill movie is Christoph Gans played the games. And yeah. like went out of his way to learn about the games and it does show in the way that the movie was made and the way it was directed at least. Um, yeah. I mean, and that's another interesting thing too. If, if you go back and look at the, the video game adaptations that have been relatively successful, I mean, and, and I'll mention resident evil here again, I, again, I'm not a huge resident evil guy, but that's, that was this, that was a billion dollar franchise for Sony. Like those movies made like $1.3 billion. That's why they kept making them. Because that's why Sony makes makes movies is for money. I don't know if people are familiar, but and if you go back and look, both Paul W. S. Anderson and Mia Jovovich were big fans of the Resident Evil games, right? Yeah, and it does show like the even if the movies aren't great, they're still sort of lovingly made. You know, even if the script isn't very good, the the movies have the right look and the right feel. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah, that's why. Um, but this this Doom movie. Yeah, this Doom movie. It's uh, difficult okay. to say. Some things it gets right, some things it does, some things it are does. fun, yes. genuinely fun. Um so yeah. So movie. let's well, well let's set this up. Okay, so this is directed by uh Andre Bartkoviak who was one of John DeBond's like cinematographer team guys, right? So John DeBond, famous action director in the nineties, directed speed, directed twister. Um, Yay. Twister. Great director, right? Solid guy. And this was one of his, his guys. So he starts directing on his own. He directs um, the Romeo must die film with Jet Li, the, the Romeo and Juliet adaptation. He directs cradle to the grave the Steven Seagal DMX project. Then right before this, he directs a movie with DMX and Jet Li. So he was just kind of like working towards this incredible pairing uh, with his previous films. And so he's an action guy. He's an action director. I get it. There was a ton of director churn on this project. People coming, people going, people leaving which again, I think is evident because there's not a really like clear visual. This seems like a project that somebody would have stepped into rather than had sort of a clear direction for from start to finish. And so Bartkoviak is, it's not a bad director, right? This film doesn't look terrible in every circumstance. Some of it's fine, but some of it is bewildering at the same time. Um, we were talking about some editing choices, you know, early on, he does a lot of, 
insert reactions like where characters are like you know emoting very powerfully but he'll just kind of cut to that emoting moment and then cut away again rather than having sort of a continuity in the scene and having it makes it feel comedic it's yeah i mean most of the horror beats in this feel like comedy beats which isn't the worst choice no no i mean comedy and horror are are very similar genres in terms of how you construct them in movies but the tone that you set determines how it's going to be interpreted. And the tone in this movie is a little off. So um, it's, it's not a terrible watch. It's kind of fun to go through, but I mean, you know, I I know we don't consult the Rotten Tomato scores as often anymore, but this is an 18% critical, but 34% audience score as well, which this to me seems like one that would have a much larger, if, if it was a movie that was just sort of dumb fun, it would have a much higher audience score on Rotten Tomatoes because it's it's a lot of ratings, it's like two hundred fifty thousand plus. So it's not like people haven't seen this movie, but it's sort of like it's a sort of an Alien versus Predator situation where the movie's watchable, but it's also just not fundamentally good or memorable. No one would choose to watch it. And no, like this unless is they a, were recording I, a podcast. Right. And and they were forced to by the um and you were like, Why? No, I mean I had not watched this movie since the Obama administration. Uh which is I saw the, in the theater. The last time I saw it was in the theater. Oh because I did go see it. Bush in administration the when it came out. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. Yeah. First That's Bush how I want to date mo- like movies when I've seen them is by what president is in office. What was president at the time? Okay, that makes me know. sound so old. It, I know, haven't seen this since Bush was in office. Oh my gosh, the world's changed, or has it? It hasn't. Um, so this is also a film that, unfortunately, okay. So let's talk about the cast. Uh, so the the cast, the ostensible star, is Carl Urban. Carl Urban plays the Doom Slayer, right? But he um, was not on the guy. he was not on the posters or in the commercials. No. Because who got the lead or or was perceived as the lead was The Rock, who yeah. plays Sarge. Still credited as The Rock at the time. Credited this is him as the Rock, fresh off Dwayne of his Johnson. wrestling career. Yeah. So he's still um, he's still doing the glowering looking up yeah, he on does, the scowly he, I, face and and the, the corporate <laughs> eyebrow. He does a lot of the people's the, the the corporate eyebrow, the people's eyebrow, whatever. Yeah, there's there's a lot of that. Uh, we have a an early Rosamund Pike performance. She's so pretty. She is. Um, she's she's very good in this, in as much as one can be. Uh, this is this is this is like her third or fourth movie, I think. Um, you know, so so very early. This is even before she was in that. that she followed uh, up Pride, Pride and Prejudice, Prejudice with yeah, this. Yeah, she followed I think. up with yeah. the Kira Knightley Pride That's and Prejudice. Funny. So I mean, like this is this is early in Rosamund Pike's, you know, <laughs> she's fine in it, um, but she so you know, Urban is the Doom guy, Rock is his commanding officer, the Sarge. There is an array of dispensable, disposable Space Marines uh, that go come along with that. Who all suck. And they're yeah, they're all pretty bad. Um, uh, well, we have to call out Doug Jones. Uh, Doug Jones is in this. All of the Yay. imp characters. Doug Jones played those. Again, if there's a tall, skinny guy in a costume, it's probably it's Doug, Doug Jones. Jones. In this case, it definitely was. 
Um, so yeah, we get these, these like, you know, disposable space Marines and, and for me, one of the big things is that this movie is aping not only the original source material of the video game, but it is aping, you know, action movie classics like aliens and just doing so badly and ineptly, you know, it's like, you can't just, okay. So a guy gets Hudson in this, right? He dies exactly like Hudson in aliens, right? With the creature coming up through the grates under his feet and pulling him down through the grate. And and so it immediately calls that scene to mind, which they also frankly, do the the poke the ceiling and look. They do they do the, the poke guy. the ceiling. And there's and look there's through. so many yeah. aliens moments in this, so and many. I kind of hate it because they're bad, and they call you back to a great scene. Yeah, and then this scene is bad. Don't make me want to watch Aliens with your movie because I'll just turn your movie off and go watch Aliens. Exactly. And then where will you be? So the you know the cast is. If you were just looking at the cast, if all of these pictures were hanging in the casting office, you'd be like, man, this is a stacked, solid cast, at least on the, the front half. Right. We've got good people here that people will want to watch. Right. Urban at this point, you know, Lord of the Rings would have ended two years before. Obviously, they had filmed it much further in the past than that. But like, you know, Return of the King would have been oh three or oh two. You know, so he's kind of riding high because Aomer is is you know, one of the more memorable characters from the latter two films and, and urban, you know, had been working steadily in Australia at the time. Like he was, you know, pretty consistent. And he was in ghost ship. So we can't forget that. You All know, the ghost we were, ship fans. We were just talking about ghost ship and I think we might do ghost ship because ghost ship ghost and 13 ship. ghosts, we might do like a, a double header of ghost ship and 13 ghosts. Cause it's the same director, same like production team trying to do these old, updates of of older horror films uh but he is in that you know he'd been he'd had that turn right before this where he was the uh, bad guy in the second born movie which apparently a lot of people loved i didn't i mean he's good but i i didn't like the second born movie that was the first paul greengrass one and it just looked like the cameraman was constantly falling down <laughs> he was just I... kind of like the cameras were constantly like oh here's the ground oh here's the sky uh, I it's, feel it's like a, I've it's a seen a watchable film. I remember the first one. The first one. I think one's I've solid. seen yeah. the other Bourne movies, but I think I slept through a few of these. I mean, they're not great. And I can't tell the um, names apart anymore. So I think the, I think I like the third one the best, the ultimate Bourne ultimatum. Maybe I like <laughs> maybe. that one. Whichever, whichever one Tony Gilroy did. Cause uh, Tony Gilroy actually ended up writing and directing one of them, I think or something. Um, no, Greengrass directed the third one too, but I, I don't think it doesn't matter. The, there are too many of them. Yeah. <laughs> There's just too many of these stupid yeah, things. Yeah, it's just one of those Jason uh, Bourne movies. But, you know, you know so he's he was fed up. in that. Yeah, he's angry about the government or something. It's, <laughs> it's very, it's very problematic. He was also in the Chronicles of Riddick, where he, he played v- v- Vaco. <laughs> God, what a weird uh, movie. Whoa, that's such a weird one, dude. Uh, yeah. I mean, it wasn't that I like the Chronicles of Riddick just fine, but after Pitch Black, to go to that, which Pitch Black is this nice little stripped down, like people trapped on a planet movie. It's very cool, and then all, and then from that, it's like the Necromongas are coming. It is like, wait, what? What is yeah. happening? What's going on? David Toohey, calm down. Uh, but anyway, so he'd had a, you know a string of like decent films, and so he winds up as as John Grimm, the Doom guy in this movie 
And so the film, the, I guess let's, let's go ahead and jump in. It, it's, it was a troubled production. As we said, things came together. Finally, we've got this sort of like mid tier action director. Um, we've got a, a screenplay that's been cobbled together and rewritten Doom three had come out at this point, And so they were trying to incorporate some elements from that, although not really many, some visual stuff like, you know, darkened hallways, yeah. weird laboratories. This has, but, this movie yeah, has Doom three vibes, but it's right, not but nothing it from the story. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. really have anything from the games, you know? So, so that begs the question, like why even call this a doom film? Because and, and Ghosts of Mars was already taken. That's true. Ghosts of Mars was already taken. Dang. Man. Great title. Only Lorenzo Great Bonav- movie. De Bonaventura had gone to that. Yes, we did. Our very first episode yep. was was over the Ghosties of Mars. Um, still our, our top our, our top listened episode. We've got <laughs> people have definitely listened to that one a bunch. Uh, and it is a fun one. But so the 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 film here starts with people. Well, it starts with voiceover narration from Rosamund Pike, where she explains that what in the Nevada desert, we found a portal to Mars that they call the Ark. Why do they call it that? And, and pay matter. attention because this is the last time we're going to mention the, the location or, or physical features of any of this stuff. Cause you're about right. to go underground into a facility and never come out and never see the light of day again. <laughs> And, and it's, it, and so she explains that. And then we, we see people running through hallways running from, from a thing. And so one of them is this like wormy scientist. And then she, he's being chased by a stunt woman who is running very fast down this hallway. And I don't know if they just allowed her to yell the name Carmack, um, which that's another thing I'm going to throw in here. I, if I had made a cool video game and it, it would, if I had made a cool video game, it would be neat for me to hear my name in a movie. Okay. I'll, I'll be honest. Sure. This like, is a big would, cutesy wootsy. And, and they all get it right. We yeah. get a Mr. Willits. We get a yeah. Carmack. Uh, everybody who was still at id when this movie was made, we don't get a Romero. No, but there's no Romero in here. Um, but everybody him. who was, no, don't talk about him. He left us. Don't talk he about John Ty- Romero. <laughs> he made Taikatana. Oh. <laughs> uh, you know, like, so that would be cool. But this, I, the, the Carmack name does not roll off the tongue. No. And so it's just this lady screaming, Dr. Carmack, Dr. Carmack. It's at the top of her lungs. I don't and, know if it's, is it just grating because we know who that is? Like for the other uh, people in the theater be. who just drunkenly stumbled be. into the show, they would be like, hmm, I don't hear that name every day. <laughs> well, that's and an interesting one. That would be the last of it. But to me, it was just, oh, everybody it's, it's, gets a little cutesy nickname. As, oh. as the kids would say, it's cringe. Ooh. Um, and, and so then she, she's running through the hallway and then she's trying to reach through the door and he's going to seal the door, right? He's going to stop this somehow. So he seals the door. He, mur- he murders this woman as a result, <laughs> right? She dies horribly. Well, fuck her. <laughs> yeah. Her arm gets stuck through the door gets cut off. And then like the worst CG door breaking effects that I've ever seen like when the door finally breaks and it's open and then you can kind of see the monster on the other side, it's, it's like they should have just done rear projection. Like it's 
the CG effect of the demon through the door is so bad that I giggled immediately. I was like, oh, <laughs> daddy's first mm-hmm. Photoshop plugin. Uh, it was rough. It was real rough. So, um, so there's been an outbreak on Mars. He says it's like a level five breach or something. He says a bunch of important words. A bunch of important gobbledygook words that will be meaningful later, maybe. And so then after that incident, you know, your your cold open, whatever you want to call it, we we jump to our our team, right? The the Marines that are gonna face this challenge. And so once again, I, I just I want to talk briefly about aliens because it's fun. But yeah. also because the reason why aliens is fun is because aliens fundamentally understands how you build characters that are in the film to die and make them meaningful in a short amount of time. Right. Yeah. Like James Cameron can do this better than anybody else. Right. And, and a lot of it comes through his production design, his world building, uh, well, you know, I mean, we brought up the term environmental storytelling with video precisely. games, and that is what James Cameron managed to do with Aliens. Right. Yeah, Cameron understands that you can tell a story by letting somebody write something on their armor, right? Like yeah. letting somebody, um, you know, choose how their their, you know, clothes are arranged or what clothes they choose to wear. And are letting someone have a padlocked heart on their chest armor that then gets melted after he falls in love with the main character. And it's yeah. the most wonderful thing that's ever happened in a movie with a love story. And my I heart know, melts right? when I think about it. <laughs> I mean, if you, if you think about it, his, his melted heart lock <laughs> is draw me like your French girls. <laughs> like It's the same. It's the it's equivalent. So it's the equivalent scene. Um, but so, this film decides to introduce us to our characters who are getting ready to go on leave. Of course. Which, yes. It's the, um, it's the three days also, from retirement it's problem. It's three days from retirement, you know. Oh, man, I'm about to retire, finally, after all these years. <laughs> We're all too old for this shit. Um, and, and we just see them in the most horrible circumstances. Like, they're trying to quirk them, right? Like theoretically, because like there's the guy who wears the Hawaiian shirts and there's the guy who plays the video games and there's also, the violent guy. The video games. You know? Why do the video games in the future look like video games from 1978? Okay, so I I, I want to I, I actually had a note to address this that I still think it is hilarious that in the year of our Lord 2023, when a character is playing a video game. The sound effects are still like bleep, bloop, 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 it's bloop, always bloop. the football game. <laughs> it's, yeah. Like uh, what it's, the fuck? It's like Pac-Man or it's that weird football game with the lines on the screen. You couldn't give him a Game Boy? You couldn't give him like anything other than that? Like it's this fake gigantic it's like the size of an Atari Lynx. It must it, have been a reskinned Atari Lynx. That's the only terrible, thing I can imagine that it would terrible. be. Terrible. But it's 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 a universal truth. That if there's a character playing some kind of video game and it's not being shown on screen, because if they just played regular video game sounds, 
they just sound like movies. No one would know what yeah. it was, right? Because real video games, you shoot a gun in a video game, it doesn't go like, bloop, bloop, bloop. Sounds like a gun. Pew, pew, pew. It just sounds like a gun. It's just a recorded gun, just like they would do for a movie. So it's like, you can't, you can't, you have to send it back to like 1974, where it was just like a sound chip that could make four sounds and you just mixed them together in different ways. Or he's playing like one of those tiger handhelds that you would get out of a bin at Toys R Us. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I hate it. The Mortal Kombat tiger handheld that has characters. That pissed me off so bad. Like immediately I'm just like, what the you can't in a video game movie, you can't even have him playing a real video game. You can't even get it right. And so, you know, so this is how you introduce a bunch of characters that are going to die badly. They all have their quirk. They all have a thing that sets them apart, but you don't know how to introduce it. And they seem to have no camaraderie whatsoever. No. Right? One thing about, about aliens that makes it work so well is that you can tell that these people have been together before for a long time. They all know each other. They may not like each other. They may have you know personal beefs and differences, but they're a functional fighting unit. All of these people, it's like this is the first time they met. Yeah, it seems like they've never had an interaction before. Because like, okay, so let's let's run through them real fast. We have Sarge, who is the rock, who is here to scowl and raise his eyebrow and eventually turn bad. Yeah. Then we have video game guy, which, you know, again, I don't I don't remember what his name is. Uh, uh, was he Destroyer? No, Destroyer's the other one. It's Duke. I, they all had Duke cute is the video nicknames. game guy. Yes. Okay. So this is what I thought was funny. So the main character that stands out in this film, apart from, you know, the stars, Urban, Rock, Pike, whatever, is is Richard Brake. This is a super early Richard Brake performance. Oh, and we he's talked so about Richard nasty Brake before. in this movie. He's disgusting in this film. Um, so Richard Brake was in Mandy. He was the chemist in Mandy. Um, he's... I think he was in Peaky Blinders for a season or two. Um, he's he's been around, right? Like he's one of those guys. This is a very early, this is a very early, you know, performance from him in film. But he plays a character named Portman. Yeah, and he didn't get a funny. And so he didn't. It was kind of weird. So Port, they're all like talking about what they're going to do on leave, and Portman comes in and he says that he's going to go some like Thailand or something. And he's going to get a room full of she boys. Which, which is just problematic. I mean, I know it was 2005, but yeah. even still, it's hard. For, it was hard for me to like remind myself like, okay, this was a really long time ago. Just immediately. I'm like, Ugh, <laughs> yeah, fuck and, you. <laughs> and so like, he's gross. Um, oh, it, what he's talking about doing and the way he's talking about doing it is just instantly off-putting. Yeah. And no one likes him. Like yeah. they're throwing things at him. Uh destroyer hits a hits an orange. Like he has an orange, a large one or a great some reason. maybe. And he's he's hitting it with a baseball bat inside their barracks. And he hits one at Duke, I guess, because he's mad that he's playing video games, which, again, incredible irony. It's it's poorly. I mean, it's it's sort of badly lit. It's not poorly lit in that it's dark. It's badly lit in that no one looks good. 
and it doesn't seem like natural lighting for a location that would actually exist. It doesn't look like a real place. No. And, um, and it, it it's just a set. Like you know? they do the set dressing trying to do the James Cameron thing where it looks like they live there or or that they're they reside there. Mm-hmm. And it all looks really staged. Yes. Um it's, it's bad. And that's partially the lighting. The lighting doesn't look like a place where people live. It looks like a place where people come to act. Uh, <laughs> yes, this is where I will act. Too. <laughs> um, but it's also just, you know, nothing looks used at all. It's all just very meticulously placed. And that's the problem with, with bad set dressing is like, if it looks like it was intentional, then it's going to stick out. And this all looks intentional. It all looks intentional. So I forget their name. It's like the res- Rescue Response Tactical Squad or something. Something with a lot of letters. Is the name of their group. And all right, I'll be the first to say that naming like groups and special forces groups with like cool acronyms and stuff is tough. Yeah. It's like stars in Resident Evil. It's like yeah. special tactics and response rescue crew or something. I don't know. Like, that just call easy. them special forces. Yeah, like, no one cares. No one knows what that is anyway. They'll just go with it. They'll be like, yes, very special. It's like, why Why even bother? Like, if yeah. it's going to be such a stupid name, why even waste your time? Like, just just move, you know? Um, but there's, but like... Also, go ahead. But there's, like, the video game guy, and there's mm-hmm. the gross guy, and there's the other guy... They're, well, Destroyer's supposed to be like the guy who is as physically imposing as Sarge is. Yeah, right? and he, has no lines. Strong. He just and, doesn't and say rare, barely talks. Exactly. And then you've got the Jesus guy. Right. There's the religious guy, you know, because we've got to have one of those. Yeah. And there's the kid who's the rookie who's apparently never gone on a mission before, never picked up a gun before, because, like, they assign him his gun in the opening scene. Like, what's he doing there? If yeah, he didn't like, already have a part like, of this team, like, why are you taking ready him? To go on, they're getting ready to go on leave. So you're telling me that you're going to give him leave before he's ever got on a mission. Like, why would you do that? And so you have the rock playing Sarge. And then finally, just sort of, he's not a part of any of the stuff that happens between the crew. He just kind of walks in at the end is ostensibly the main character who is, uh, John Grimm, uh, AKA cool name Carl is- Urban. Carl Urban. Just call him Carl. Yeah. And so like what was funny is they go into their helicopter to take off because they're going to Old Dubai, which is the name of the research station on Mars where all these scientists live now that they've discovered the Ark or whatever. And it's ancient, you know, because the name has old in it. Old Dubai. (laughs) I'm sorry. It's Old Dubai. Yeah. It's uh, it's just. mm, Yeah. Okay. So they get on the ship. And and Sarge doesn't want him to go because his sister is there. Okay, so John has a twin sister played by Rosamund Pike named Samantha. So John and Samantha Grimm. Grimm with two M's. Keep that. Of course. Don't forget. Two M's. It's not just Grimm. That would be gross. Two it's an M's actual it name. <laughs> it's, a, it's a, yeah, you know. Like, it's a like, real name. You know. It could be our names. <laughs> So they get on the the helicopter or whatever, and they grab all their guns, which are just in this helicopter, which I think is probably poor gun storage technique. Ah, And as they're picking, as they're picking them up, the gun says their name. 
I <laughs> love that. <laughs> so they pick up the gun and it's like, uh, gun ready, uh, destroyer. <laughs> gun ready, the kid. Like gun ready, <laughs> whatever. Do you have to tell it to do that? Do you have to? Do you have to like contact the manufacturer and say like, I want my gun <laughs> right. to call me destroyer. <laughs> and so it goes through all their names, right? And it's like destroyer, Sarge, Duke, the kid, goat, and then it, <laughs> and then it yeah, the dude's name is goat. And then it gets to Portman, the the wormy guy, the gross one, and it's just Portman. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't get a cool nickname. He was just a guy. And maybe at some point in the screenplay that was meant to be some kind of intentional joke. But if it was, it was completely glossed over and just run through. But then it gets to to John, right? He picks up his gun, even though he was already carrying a gun inside of the compound. Like he had already fetched his gun. But there's another gun, I guess. He picks up that gun and it says, Reaper. Right? Because he's the grim reaper i mean if my last name was grim (laughs) i would be very tempted to call myself reaper yeah but i probably would i would probably have better sense than that so i mean that's fine i mean that's a i mean that's something that you would do in like a stupid comic book to to make a joke or something but in doom the doom i mean the doom main character is never named there were a series of books that came out uh three books that expounded upon the doom universe they're very silly they're also kind of fun but like he was referred to by as the doom guy yeah and also as the doom slayer right doom guy is an older nickname for him Right, Doom Guy is the original name because he didn't have a name, so people just called him the Doom, Doom Guy. Right, like that's what. And then called Doom it. Marine or Doom Marine. Marine. Right, yeah. So I mean, like there would have been other options here that would have called back more specifically to the games, but of course they don't go with that. Yeah. So this team takes off. Right, they're the rapid response tactical squad or whatever, and so they go to the Ark, and the Ark is like a bubble machine. It makes bubbles, and then you this step inside the really bubble. This is a really stupid effect. Like you could it's have a done a effect. big, ancient-looking portal and made it look really cool, and instead, it's just bubbles. It's a glowy bubble, and you step into it, and it just absorbs you, and you disappear. It's it's a weird effect. It's stupid. the The arc compound is like crazily well lit. And and just another like obvious set and stuff. But if it's supposed to be like the sister facility to the one on Mars, the one on Mars, it doesn't really have the same vibe at all. Like it doesn't really look yeah. the same. And I'm just thinking like this <sighs> this portal. I don't know, man. It's it has a cool name, the Ark. Wouldn't you expect something more like a Stargate, you know? Like, I'm just thinking, like, cool movie effects, cool movie portals. The Stargate is up there. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Why wouldn't they just rip that off? I mean, they're already ripping off aliens wholesale. Like, why don't you just rip off Stargate while you're at it? It's fine. I mean, what's Roland Emmerich going to do? Sue ya? Probably not. (laughs) Really? 
I mean, the other thing is, is that there's been this level five breach when they arrive and nobody seems particularly perturbed. No, people are Everybody's very chill. Just, just people milling around being like, what's going on, man? It's so weird. Is there some it's kind tough. of breach? That's weird. I'm going to go get I some mean, food, though. Yeah. I mean, Portman's like hitting on girls and saying that Ugh. he's going to need to like strip search them before Ugh. they go. And God. It's just, I mean, it's Richard just Brakey getting and worse. very Richard Brakey. Yeah, and it doesn't get any better, unfortunately. So the story, as it is, begins to unfold. Again, as when I was sitting in the theater in 2005, I was like, okay, certainly at some point, all these people are going to disappear, and it's just going to be like Carl Urban fighting lots and lots of monsters, right? Like trying to get his sister out alive, sure, that's a decent enough motivation, whatever. But no, this is the talkiest action movie I've ever seen. Like so much of this is just characters standing in rooms, maybe looking at some desiccated corpse and just having discussions about things. I was very <laughs> anxious for these people to start dying. Yeah, I mean, because, you know, it's it, theoretically it has to be on its way, but it takes forever to get started. In, in an Aliens ensemble cast, which is just how we should refer to movies like this from here mm -hmm. on out. Um, I mean, there's even I, a scene of them walking through a lab, looking through yeah. glass jars. I mean, like, it's it's just aliens. But I, I tend I tend to start thinking, like, okay, this guy's going to eat it first, then it'll be this one. And I want to get, like, an order of how they're going to go down. I don't know. That, you know, maybe take bets with myself on who's going to die and when. But this movie was infuriating because they didn't die in the order I wanted them to. <laughs> and they didn't die until way too late. I stopped caring by the time they started fighting it. Yeah. I mean, it's like probably 35, 40 minutes into the movie before anything yeah. really substantial happens. There's a, you know, a decent amount of tension, you know, hoses snaking, you know, out of the ceiling, scaring people and stuff. A lot of jump but, scares. Yeah. But I, yeah. I was also like, you know, so the arc facility and everything around it is kind of like, you know, like, like built up like, like the, the facility. But then when they get to where they're going, and I don't know if it's like the section that they're in is older or something, but it's all from that point on, like dark hallways, pipes, grates. And I'm like, okay, so if you're this company building a facility on Mars, and you're spending all this money to make like the place that people arrive look really nice. Why wouldn't you do that for the rest of the facility? And the only thing I can think is Doom 3 kind of looks like this. So we're going to do this. But visually what it reduces the film to is that it's three hallway sets shot from slightly different angles. Characters moving through them. And then like two laboratory rooms where characters sit and have exposition. And that's it. Like for the back hour and a half of this movie is just that and so yeah. it like again we we even talked a little bit last week about um and maybe even the week before about like uh, the sign of a good director is being able to take a small space and stay in that space and still make that space feel fresh yeah right make it feel unique and interesting you know because of shot composition and where you're sort of setting things up but this film does not do that it is the opposite of that this film they they briefly show a map of the facility, which is a, a sort of marginal recreation of the map 
from the original Doom, right? Because in the original Doom, you start out at one facility and then you go to another one, another one, another one, so on and so forth. And so the map kind of recreates that. But as a result, this film feels weightless. Like, I don't know where anybody is. When it cuts to a character, I don't know what they're doing or what location they're in because they're all the same. Yeah, it's a it's a hallway movie. The and, hallways and, just never end. You know, and almost comically bad. You know, it's it's like all of those bad shot on VHS movies from the nineties where it's just people in a forest. You know, it's like this has no weight that I don't know where anything is. It's just trees and grass and a single person standing in the midst. And it's just pointless. Like it, it just doesn't have anything, which, you know, again, we'll go back to aliens, which is obviously the sort of like bastardized template for this film. In that movie, once they are in the compound, like I'll, I'll go ahead and say, like when they're exploring the um, the reactor facility, when they first go in and the team gets attacked by the aliens, there's not a great sense of spatial geography there. Like you kind of understand there's an outside, there's a sort of first level, and then there's where the Marines are. And then you sort of see, you know, Ripley transition from that outer space to the inner space via the armored troop carrier later. But like there's there's not a great sense of space there. And I'll, I'll I'll be fine if you say that. But once they get into the the command compound, right, the facility where all the people lived and established like this is the command center. These are the hallways leading to it and around it. These are the, the places where people used to live. Once Cameron establishes all of that, it's completely understandable where the characters are, what locations they're moving from and to. And and it's not like he's spending a tremendous amount of time, right? He's not showing signs, right? He's not like, oh, here's the sign for like where people live. And so like none of that. It's just he, he the spaces are differentiated. The lighting situations are differentiated so that when you come back to them, you're like, oh, okay, I know where we're at right now. And this movie is just doing none of that. It's, it's just gobbledygook mess all mm-hmm. the way through. And it's one of my biggest problems with it because I think there are very few films better to try and steal from than Aliens, man. If you're going to make an action movie, if you're going to make a Rudy Tootie, aim and shooty (laughs) alien action movie, you should probably just copy Aliens. Mm -hmm. And this is what happens when somebody does that but doesn't really understand how Aliens works. Right? All they do, they, they might understand the the sort of visual bits that are really interesting and cool, but they don't understand what makes them function. And, and it's, it's frustrating, like super frustrating to watch. Yeah. So the middle of this movie is almost not worth talking about because it's, it's just that it's people running through hallways and the, the reveals, right? The big reveal of this is that, the things they're fighting are the people from the facility. Why did they take so long to figure that out? I don't know. Like, it seems pretty obvious from the first couple of things they fight. Cause you can't find anybody. You can't find yeah. any bodies. They're all, and there are these things and, running around. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, mass just doesn't self generate. So, this is, is the biggest sort of story diversion, right? At this point, okay, Space Marines on Mars. That's, that's Doom. Fine. But so the big diversion, and I, and I can only imagine that this was done so that they could completely avoid the discussion of 
satanic representations, you know, demons, you know, again, this is 2005. This is, this is, is deep within the, the second George Bush presidency. The worst one. Conservative Christian values are, are being espoused throughout the world. And I I imagine there was somebody at the movie studio that said, well, this ain't going to play in the Midwest if we got, you know, hell demons running around. So instead of hell demons, we discover <laughs> that they've been doing research and they, and they treat this just so nonchalantly, right? Like there's a scene where urban and Pike are together and they have this like skeleton in the middle of the room in glass. That is an alien with a baby. That's like frozen in place or something. Frozen in kinda, terror. Frozen it in is terror. Posed. And they're like, and they're just like, yeah, this was kind of a weird thing we found. I don't know. You know, yeah, maybe it's, it's something we should be concerned about. Looks like this it looks like this creature is defending its young from something. I wonder what. No, nothing. I mean, you know, like, but Probably we're just nothing. gonna we're just gonna run some experiments on it. See Probably if like a weird panther happens. or something. I know we're on Mars, but surely Space there were some panthers at yeah, some point, yeah. right? They had a space jaguar running around. Yeah. It was just very scary that for sounds everyone right. involved. And it's just the most like whatever thing. And so we find out that even though Rosamund Pike is apparently a very important scientist at this place, she was completely unaware that they were doing research into. Well, she is aware, but she, she is, is for some reason duplicitous about it. That in this dark moment when fucking everyone is dead or turned into a literal monster she decides to still withhold this information. She's keeping some information back. Yeah. Cause it you makes know, you gotta no protect sense. The, you gotta protect the, uh, protect the company interests. And I guess that would make, that would make sense if we had like a Wayland Utani type setup, but that's mm-hmm. never set up. So you, no, I mean, again, like you're just, you're pulling things from aliens that don't even work in this movie. Right. I mean, and in Doom 3, the UAC is is hinted at being the bad guy, and definitely in the more modern Doom. But not in this movie. But not in this movie. <laughs> like, we like, don't get movie, any of that. There is zero discussion of the UAC being corrupt or, or vile. I, they say I mean, UAC they were, like four times, and that's it. Yeah. So it's it's very backgrounded, but yet they're running these experiments, and what they've discovered is that there was, they had been working with genetic modification and they had in court, they had found that some of these alien bodies that they've discovered, which apparently there are more, there's just tons of them had an additional um, chromosome, right? It's like 24th chromosome and that they were doing genetic modification and that the UAC or these scientists at least were Gene splicing, I guess, would be the term we'd use now, this 24th chromosome into humans. And some of the humans, right, right. And and some of these humans, when spliced, turn into horrible monsters. They turn evil. Exactly. It's the gene of evil. (laughs) Yeah, there's this whole discussion at the end that... Not every uh, every part of the human genome has been mapped, and some especially of pieces, not the evil part, right? And some of those pieces may actually be genetic representations of the soul. <laughs> and 
I think to, they and actually to, has the setup They did. Line. They did. They did. <laughs> and to be honest, if this movie had been about literal demons, I would be so on board with this concept. I'd be like, yes, totally. Inject yes. him with the could be evil virus so he can fight the demons because they're yes. coming out of hell. They're but because hell, the movie didn't it. lean into anything fun like that, that was the dumbest thing I've ever heard it's in my entire dumbest. life. It's so dumb. And so, in essence, we're presented with this incredible binary that when they when they inject you with the virus that gives you this you know additional chromosome, you either turn into a horrible demon monster murder machine. Or you turn into an incredible self-healing superhero yeah. who is capable of wreaking incredible destruction. Um, and I think already, dear listener, you can see where this movie is going. Mm. There's so, only one person on this team who doesn't suck. Who doesn't suck. They all suck, right? Like, that's, again, I get why we're being shown that Portman's terrible and the weird religious guy carves up his arm every time he makes a mistake. Well, like, wasn't he a, didn't he, doesn't he indicate that he's done time, that he was a convict yes, at some point? Yes, that he was a con. Why did they and, let you in the UAC? You know, they, they just needed people for this incredibly God. important and, and highly selective squad of incredible rescue badasses. So who better? than a former convict who cuts himself every time he screws up. Oh my God. (laughs) And so this is the part of the movie where it can't decide if it's like a fun action film or it is some kind of like horror zombie film. And, and we spend a lot of time in dark rooms and hallways with people, you know, like eating rats from cages and I, I watched the extreme unrated edition, which I had never seen before. And it doesn't add much. There's a bit more gore in it from what I remember. And then there's like a whole scene where Portman and the kid find a, I think it's the girl who got her arm cut off in the beginning who has surprisingly hasn't died from having her entire arm severed. Um, but she's like naked in a locker room and they come up on her and she attacks them or something. Uh, it is very, very strange. Like just weird, it's stupid some, additions. It it's it doesn't make much sense. The early two thousands um, were just such a terrible time for the male gaze in cinema. I mean, they very true. times are yeah. still terrible. Don't get me wrong. It's, they are yes. Um, but it was so much worse. Uh, so you know, there's there's a lot of that in this movie where just the way that any woman on screen is framed can go wrong really easily. Yeah. Even gross. Even Rosamund Pike is, is subjected to that quite a few times. I I think you would probably be wearing a bra to work. My dear. uh, You know, I mean, as, as a scientist, you really want to maintain maximum personal mobility. Um, Mm. You don't want to be restrained. (laughs) I just, you know, and as and as soon as that happened, I was like, well, so it's this kind of movie, huh? I yeah, see. It's, uh, it's rough. And so, I mean, I, I don't, again, I don't want to dwell too much on the middle section of this movie because it's bad. It's boring. They all, they all split up into twos. Nothing substantial happens. There's a bunch of like shooting at 
um, air ducts and you know they're 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 trying There's to creature encounters but they're completely sure, enshrouded yeah. in darkness like you'll you don't see anything right for way too long and and it's like super obvious what's happening to all these people but no one seems to be able to make the connection that you know all of these people are turning into monsters and what have you and it's it's just it's bad. The The special effects are bad. The creature work is mostly bad. I just, I don't know. There's, there's so many ill-advised choices here that I can't really break them all down. It's just these larger m- sort of major structural issues of the film where none of these individual pieces link together in meaningful ways. They like, don't contribute to anything. At it's one just point, weak. they find a giant holding cell with electrified walls Mm -hmm. and nobody stops to ask what is this for yeah why do they have this in a in a in a genetic research research facility yeah it's like "Mm, that's a weird thing you know why are the walls electrified what would that do it's probably just a way to get additional power for the computers (laughs) do they put the scientists in there does (laughs) Professor Dr. Carmack go in the electrified <laughs> holding cell? And just, just nobody likes, asks those questions. They're just like, huh. He's a well, researcher who can only perform under high stress conditions. I mean, so Jesus unless he's Christ. down there doing research with electrified walls, he just can't do his best. Yeah. So there, there also seems to be a, like a love thing they're trying to develop between Duke and Rosamund Pike, which I just found laughable. Um, where they like they sort of hit on each other back and forth a little bit, and then when he oh, oh, inevitably they, gets Hudsoned, and they don't, she's supposed to be like really sad about it, I guess. And they don't, don't hit know. on each other. He just says gross shit to oh, her. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and she just kind of nervously laughs and, and shrugs and then, it off, and then has yeah. to use his own horniness against him to to get him to do things to help her, because otherwise he's fucking useless. I just hate it. I hate it. Was it was bad. It was really bad. Yeah, there was a lot of just like salacious. Like, I'm going to say sleazy shit to you and you're going to be flattered. Right. Yeah. Like, like construction worker. Hey, ooh, ladies, like that kind of stuff. And and the ladies are supposed to be like, wow, thanks for noticing me. I'm and very the excited first, about this. And the first time, like, she does seem kind of like put off. But then. She softens toward him, and I'm like, why? Mm-hmm. Yeah, why would he you is, soften? He has done nothing, like, because he's helping you right now. He's present. He's, he's a he's, man who's present. Yeah. <laughs> Even though he's completely useless and freaking out about everything and, you know, and not and in, actually helping. But in 2005, that was the pinnacle of manhood. You're, you're just present. I, I'm not leaving you. I'm not going to the bar, so I must be a good dude. And it feels like it was all in the name of making Carl Urban look gooder. Perhaps. Yes. Like he's the only one that's just not relentlessly hitting on women. But you notice (laughs) they couldn't do that without making the the woman in the movie his sister. True. I mean, he couldn't hit on her. Maybe if if they hadn't been related, he would have been compelled to uh, to express intense feelings like that's. You know, like you can just care about a person without wanting to bone them. Like that's not 
and they don't have to be what? your sister. You can they can just be a regular person. I don't know if I can. Women are people. I was I know it's crazy. Oh wow! I guess sorry. I'm gonna have to rewrite that. Well, gonna, I guess we didn't become people I'm until about my personal definition here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The Me Too movement it didn't really. It didn't. We weren't really people. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there were there were several points where I don't know. I I just I could not handle that that love interest thing that they were trying, and it ultimately it doesn't go anywhere because he's marked for death. They're all marked for death. Yes, he must die. I mean, there's no other choice. Thank God. Um, I will say there's a couple of scenes where they are um, vivisecting one of the creatures they find and sort of pulling out various pieces and components that, you know, I love a good a, a good autopsy scene. You know, we've discussed that before. And, and some of these are okay. Again, they all still feel kind of edited poorly. I, I think that may be my biggest beef with this movie is that it's just edited very poorly like it's it's structural editing like big piece editing is just sort of incompetent like the scenes themselves don't transition together well they don't flow well they don't seem to tell a story that is building to anything to the point that it it does render the story boring like there's just no propulsion to this story even though again if you're looking at doom the propulsion is survival Right. But yeah. there's no real. There's no real drive for that until maybe the last 15 minutes of this movie. Mm. And it's because of all this just like relentless dallying. Like I'm like, OK, you people are under siege by horrible monsters that you have no conceptualization of. And yet you're just having sort of stupid conversations with each other. And, you know, there's nothing that is is like propelling you forward. And again, for this, I'll point to aliens. Cameron builds in moments, right? We have, I mean, and sometimes it's as simple as having a character say, we have time now. We don't, you know, they're not going to be coming now because of this thing that just happened. Now we can have a few moments where we can have a conversation or we can catch up with each other or get to know each other better. But none of that happens here. Yet all of these characters, like there's that scene where, you know, one moment they're like down in the sewers and Portman falls in a hole or something and he gets scared. And then the next scene, we see all of them, all of the remaining soldiers together in that big UAC lobby, having some kind of like come to Jesus conversation about what they're going to do. How did they and it's get like, there? how did you get there? I mean, I know they all have radios and stuff, but it's like seemingly everyone was in danger. Everybody's in a dark hallway fighting monsters. How did you all just like, you know, come to this this central place to have this conversation again. It just doesn't make sense. So again, the big reveal is the monsters are people. They were experimenting with this gene. The gene got out and now they're all monsters. But not everybody is going, the virus isn't going to infect everybody. It's only going to go after people who have the bad gene. They have bad souls. There were a lot of bad people working in that laboratory. Apparently so. A lot of evil in that lab. Evil scientists. Oh, the worst. You know, I hear most scientists are evil when you evil. think about it. And so now we just finally. Okay, so I'm I'm marking the time here. 
Um, the first one to go down is the weird religious guy, goat or whatever. He dies first. And then we get, I will say one of the better sort of put together scenes in the movie is Portman in the restroom. Like he knows there's like a monster and he's trying to escape and he drops his clip and it slides several stalls over. So instead of just leaving the stall and grabbing the clip, he crawls underneath, which is, it's stupid. It would be, it's stupid for him to waste that much time, but the scene itself works fairly well. Yeah. And, and so at that point we are one hour into this film when Portman dies. That is too long. And then I would say within the next 10 minutes, all or most of the other soldiers are dead. Yeah. Maybe, maybe the next 20. Um, Because eventually what happens and uh, a, this would never happen now, but the rock eventually turns evil. Um, And he starts like murdering survivors even though they've explained to him that not everyone is going to turn into a monster. And that all culminates in him shooting the kid who refuses to follow the orders to kill civilians. Now I know that he's not necessarily marked as a good guy from the beginning, Mm -hmm. but I feel like he went from like, guy who maybe sucks to supervillain real fast. It was pretty quick. So and, I don't uh, know that I believed that. It's it's a wrestling heel turn. That's what it is. He, he, it's, he's, ra- he's a wrestler. I don't know. Um, uh, I guess we should mention Pinky. We do get it. So they're in, Dexter in the games. Fletcher. In the games there is a there is a um, a, a, a monster type called a pinky demon and it's just like yeah. a big pink horned demon Imp. in doom three they remodeled them and they look more like kind of like big dogs yeah and so we they basically just copied that model into this but our, our dexter fletcher character who was like one of the science i don't know if he was a scientist or administrator or something but his name was like pinkowski or something <laughs> It was something and, ridiculous so that he would get a totally, cute nickname too. I think it was so like Pinzarowski. Yeah, that's what it is. It's and something so that doesn't shorten pinky. into pinky. That's what bothers me. Not it's like that. Yeah. It's not a nickname for that, but okay. Yeah. Everybody Better. just calls me pinky. It's like, no, they don't. You made that up. <laughs> I think they you do. wish people called you pinky and nobody does. But he's in a, like a funky space wheelchair that connects directly to his spine. <sighs> yeah. Because he was a, he was a portal accident. Right. Where, yes. But yes. they never really explained how that works because I thought it only went to one place. Like, why did only half of him end up in there? Mm-hmm. That feels like that was just to be funny, and then it wasn't funny, so I hate it. Yeah, it was bad. But he eventually comes back as a pinky demon after after being taken by a. Uh, and again, that a, felt like a, a here's a little something for the video film. game fans. Exactly. It's it's it. one of those things. And again, it's it's the worst kind of callback or reference. And and then they're fighting. They're they established earlier these things called nano doors, which I guess are doors that you can open what? What and is, then walk through and then seal. It seems is, like n- needlessly complicated. I mean, I think at one point when they were very upset about the nano door, I turned to my boyfriend and I was like, 
what is the nano door? Why do we have nano doors? What do those do that a regular door doesn't do? Well, it's it's nanotechnology, so it's very powerful. I mean, and important because they also had doors that would close over the nano door. Well, just in case the nano door became compromised, I you know this right. So <laughs> I mean, technically, you could just have one or the other, and preferably just a regular door. Well, those always you know, seem to be the better choice. This is the future. I, I don't know. If, oh. you know. I mean, and in the future, normal things yeah. that function should be replaced with very difficult things that don't function, oh. but are very technological and futuristic. It's, uh, so just, pretty much, yeah. So it's it's just stupid. It's just an effect that somebody thought would be cool, and it it's not. Like they were wrong. In the future, all is nano. All is nanotechnology. Everything, including the doors. Including the doors. But it turns out just the doors, because we couldn't think of anything else to make nanotechnology. Right. Nothing else could be nano. What about nano armor? What about nano bots that repair your body? No, no, Absolutely not. Silly. Just doors. Just the door. (laughs) And so um, the the whole rest of the team, they get attacked by a bunch of zombie people. Which again, they don't really clarify the stages of this this disease. It's zombie or imp or baron of hell or pinky demon. You know, you, it's a whole spectrum of of uh, terribleness that you can morph into once mm-hmm. you're infected. And so Sarge gets taken, and his last line before he gets taken is, "I'm not supposed to die." <laughs> Which, okay, sure. I hate it. Uh, that that seems to. I, I think this film should be watched so that you can understand that that is now the rocks modus operandi in film. That's, that's on his contract writer. I'm not supposed to die um, because the rock is the rock can't be a bad guy and he can't die in any movies moving forward. I think that's on his, his contract writer now. Okay. But that brings us to, you know, the, again, the, the Duke guy gets Hudson and the sister is way, way too upset about it. Uh, the kid dies. Uh, Pinky gets dragged away. Sarge gets dragged away. And then Rosamund Pike, Sam Grimm decides to save her little brother or twin brother. I don't know. Who's twin brother. She says, save the twin brother by giving him a vial of the chromosome. And, and he stops her at first because mm-hmm. I've done some bad things, Sam. I've done I've bad done, things. I've done bad things. I'm a it's bad good. man. Yeah. My soul no. is corrupted. No, John, I know you. You're a good man. You only do good things. <laughs> I think you can man. handle it. You'll have an extra chromosome and everything will be fine. <laughs> Cause I guess there is a whole backstory about like their parents worked on old and they died and they got yeah. orphaned. I, again, maybe all that's, that was that's be why John's not a scientist. Sequel. That's why he that's is right. a gunman. Mm-hmm. Wasn't there that line in there though? It was like the first thing dad taught us about was like so, so stupid. Cause like they're supposed concept. to be two like genius science kids, but she stayed right. a genius science kid and he became to, and, a murder man. And he became a murder man. But, but he's, he's still, still a genius science kid. And he's still a genius science kid, and he knows everything. So he looks at all the complicated science things, and he knows what's going on. He knows the score. Exactly. Right. 
So she his injects years him. Of murder banning have not have not yeah. you know taken the edge off any of his scientific capabilities. So she injects him, and it turns out he's a he's a goddamn liar because he hadn't done bad things at all. Nope. He gets the superhero disease. Is and it a disease? Get, <laughs> I, I guess it is a disease too. I mean, technically, it's a disease. It turns him into a superhero just because the effects are good. Doesn't mean it's not still a disease. And. It allows you to see in first person uh, as opposed to how you normally see things. (laughs) (laughs) This this injection takes us into the scene that that this film is most famous for. Um, We literally zoom into his eye. And then (laughs) we are now in. The world's slowest first person shooter. The world's slowest and least impressive first person shooter. You know, that just to verify that we know what's happening, he like walks up into a mirror and and he's we see that he's healed, right? That yeah. his his injuries are all better now. And now he is is he has become the doom guy. So he reloads his gun slowly, and then it's just a bunch of like hallway sequences with the gun on the screen and and he's shooting all the things. And there's only one enemy at a time, yeah. Which like, Doom is very famous for doing only one enemy at a time. <laughs> Lots of single enemies, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, apparently, this entire scene was done by the visual effects supervisor, like Bart Kovac. Cool, did, whatever. Did nothing with it. Um, and I think that kind of shows, like it, it doesn't because it's it's not incompetent. Like you know, what it's accomplishing whatever goal it set out to accomplish but whatever that was it's not very it's not very artfully done nor is it very interesting um you know the big demon monsters that he had struggled to kill you know 10 minutes before now his gun is just ripping them to shreds in a couple of volleys he's uh, you know obliterating you know people by shooting them in the head and I, i i don't know man it's just it's not bad. It's not a bad scene. I remember being in the theater and leaving and being like, well, that was kind of cool. We've never really seen a sort of, it's not a continuous shot. It's, it's made to look like one. They want you to think it's a continuous shot. It's not, but you know, it was, I remember being at the time like, Oh, that was kind of interesting, you know? And and okay. movies since have done first person segments usually as a tribute to video games. Well, and we had that whole movie that was done in uh, first hardcore person. Henry. Yeah. Which fuck that. I don't sorry yeah, movie anybody who likes it, but yeah. who cares? <laughs> Again, it, it's it's a gimmick, right? Yeah. And it's something that if you feel the need to to replicate to make this connection to the film, that's that's one thing. That's fine. Uh, or make this connection to the game. Um but I, I don't know if it adds anything to this movie. It it's certainly probably the capstone reason to watch it. But I remember at the time people saying that it made them sick. Right. Like the just, you know, like we we're, you know, accomplished video gamers with a Z, you know, none of this is going to cause us any problems or issues. But, you know, for people who were, are not familiar with looking at the world in this way, you know, <laughs> the the dual effect of this is how I see the world. And then this is another image of the world being layered on top of that. You know, I certainly know some people who struggle with first person shooters and stuff as a as a matter of course, but. It's it's intriguing, right? It's an interesting thing, and it's not it's definitely not something that a lot of people attempt. 
because it is disorienting to say the least. Um, so this, this sequence, uh, he murders a bunch of stuff. I, I don't know what else much to say about it. It's fine. And then it's over really as quickly as it began, right? It's, it's really very short and kind of minimal. Well, they have to I get to the boss him, battle. That's right. It kind of ends with him killing pinky or pinky knocks him out, but doesn't kill him. And then we come out of the, the first person sequence kind of after that. I yeah. Think. Now he has to kill the rock. Yes. And so that leads us to the final boss battle which is him versus Sarge who has now become like the opposite of him, right? Where he became the good super soldier. The rock becomes the, the bad super soldier, right? All of the, the super soldier capabilities, but he's evil and, and turned bad, which, you know, again, dissecting the story of this film, which is, is just layering on tons and tons of garbage on top of a story that didn't need the garbage. I think at the very least, if you wanted to set up that, because in the, in the original story of Doom, like the Doom Marine goes to Phobos with a crew, with other soldiers, and then becomes the last man standing. So having an aspect of the story be the Doom Slayer, you know, killing the commander of his of his unit, who's now been converted into a monster. That's I can see I can see that being an interesting narrative thing to try and explore. But in this case, you know, with, with this weird, you know, super serum layer on the top of it and all of this, like, I don't know, just this, this goofy idea of superheroes and supervillains, it just doesn't work. Uh, aside from the fact that the rock is just not, he's not, he doesn't make a good kind of villain like this. I think this, The Rock is capable of being a good villain. I like The Rock. I like movies it. with The Rock in them usually. Sure. Uh, this is not that long after his pro wrestling heyday. No. And this feels like one of his characters in the ring. Sure. Yeah. Because um, I don't know. I mean, I know you kind of know this, but The, the Rock did have a villain arc in wrestling. Mm-hmm. where instead of the people's eyebrow, it was the corporate eyebrow, and he was a bad guy. Um, don't worry, it didn't last long. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. But that's what this felt like to me. It was like, oh, so this is like when he was a bad guy wrestler. Because it's very corny, but it's not fun corny. It's just bad corny. Yeah, there's not much here to really grab onto, and and it doesn't even really feel like a showdown there. It's just kind of a begrudging, like, well, I guess I have to kill you now. Huh? And And it wasn't even that particularly exciting fight either. I mean, they have the rock lifting some big stuff because that's why you get a pro wrestler to be in your movie. You make Mm -hmm. him lift heavy things. I can lift the things. Look at me. I'm lifting things. Yeah. I'm very accomplished. Of course, this is not, uh, the rock's physique as we know it now, where he's just like the size of a bus. You know, I had the same thought I was, I was going to mention it earlier and I kind of let it drop. Cause it's like, well, it doesn't really matter because we're well past this now, but he has like physique, a regular body. He just has like a regular muscle man body, like a an achievable muscular body. Um, instead of, you know, this, this human roided growth out. hormone roided out. 
four hundred pound, you know, slab of muscle. I mean, I'm cool with now. whatever you want to do with your body. You know, have fun. But yeah, whatever. Sure. But you know, I'm I'm looking I'm I'm looking at him like, oh, you looked you looked like a just a regular person. <laughs> That's really refreshing. <laughs> it's refreshing. I miss yeah. those days. Kind of like going back in, uh, what was it? It was Be Cool that he was in, that Elmore Leonard adaptation. That was one of yeah. his first acting gigs. And again, it was just a much more, you know, sort of like, I'm not going to say down to earth. It was still an incredible physique. And I don't want to diminish, you know, what it takes to get to that level. But um, yeah, it's, it's very different from The Rock that we know now. It's, I feel it's that way more, when I watch a Chris yeah. Evans movie before Captain America. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, I remember when you were just a guy. Yeah, you were just like a normal guy. Like you had a physique that you, you know, weren't a torso some yet. People have, yeah. And uh, I, I think this this battle would have worked better if we had seen that there would have been significant beef between John and Sarge before. Yeah, Again, like like an implied history where it's like we've disagreed on some things. Like we have mutual respect. You know, I don't want to say like the Gorman Hicks relationship in Aliens because it wouldn't even need to be that extreme where Gorman's like this, this, you know, newbie who doesn't know what he's doing and just makes all these mistakes. You know, it, it would be sort of like Hicks, but a pone was an asshole who Something was like perfectly that. willing, who was perfectly willing to like step over the boundaries if he felt it was necessary. And, and that, you know, he has significant problems with that, but he still respects him enough to follow him as, as you know, his commanding officer or whatever. But, but this is just kind of empty. Yeah, like there's no emotional drive between these two guys fighting. Like and and this is a film that lacks any drive in terms of like needing to it needing to survive. Like the survival drive is is gone. Like there's just nothing in this film that feels substantial. And then there's no emotional drive for these two guys to fight. So at the end of the day it's like, "Well, what are we doing? Why are we doing this? Can we can we do anything else? Can you just escape? Like just leave him there on Mars. Who cares?" You know, like, what is what is the point for you to have this conflict? Uh, aside from the fact that one of the main beats of this conflict is that The Rock is literally holding a giant pipe and sneaking around a corner to hit him in the head with it. Yeah. And I'm like, are, what, what is this? Just a give him a metal folding cartoon? chair. Yeah, like, Somebody tagged him in the ring. He's got the folding chair. And he's got the folding chair and he's going to sneak up on him, you know. It, it was just very goofy. And and felt i mean i guess the term that would be used now would be underbaked right like this was yeah. not fully thought out and and nobody really knew what they wanted to do yeah and and you know i imagine if i had to guess especially once they dispense with the guns and it goes to the hand to hand combat at the end i would be willing to bet that the rock is the one who choreographed this mm and it is choreographed like, like a, a WWE fight. Like he 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 hurls him, like he's in the ring. I mean, we get a lot of like those downward punches. Yeah, it's like yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like it's it's just it's it's something that I would have kind of expected to see in a a sort of decent cage match during this era of WWE. However, you know? I I did like the the teleport thing at the end teleporting him back to the mm-hmm. facility and then sending the grenade in i thought that was that was clever i just yeah, wish that no, i hadn't I, yeah. been previously burnt out on the fight and waiting for it to be over by the time it did something fun 
Oh, totally. Because totally. that's all I could think. I was like, oh, finally, it's over. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very much a like you know patiently waiting for this to end. They're still fighting. I so, liked when the Rock became a demon. Right when At he finally point, crosses he kind of, over, he kind of roids out fully and. They put some makeup on him to make him appear like he is, is, you know, more demonic, which we have seen like the movie justifies that it's, it's a progressive virus that, you know, slowly converts you. So that's whatever. Um, but yes, I do like that. The final sort of victory here is urban, you know, sending him back to, to Mars. I mean, to you Mars. Know, to, yeah. Like, sending him back to Mars, you know, with a grenade and and letting that do the job. That's, that seems smart. That seems like a good way to deal with it. But like, how much cooler would that have been if he was pushing him through a portal that sent him to hell instead? I mean, that would have been cool. Yeah. That would have been so cool. <sighs> I guess we can blame Jerry Falwell for that. Damn. One. I just want to see demons. I want to <laughs> shoot demons. <laughs> ah! I mean, you know, like even even in in you know the, the Christian religion, generally, if, if one was killing a demon, that would not be seen as a negative. Yeah, like <laughs> the Doomslayer should be their hero, not Jesus. <laughs> Come on, subtle Jesus, the original but, Doomslayer, know, the original Doomslayer, exactly. And so our, our last shot of the film is really just John and his, you know, carrying his sister out of the facility who is injured in some undefinable or she's just un- real tired. She's, she's all just, tuckered out. Just real that was a sleepy. lot of action. Why was that the last shot of the movie? I Why can't know. we see outside? The outside is bad. Apparently but just a little bit of sunlight <laughs> would have meant so much to me at the end of this very dark blue movie. The outside in the future is very expensive, and we just and it's polluted. mm -mm, Just everybody lives in a hallway. Well, I mean, what more do you need in modern America? But a a dark, dank, rat-filled hallway. Which you know, how did the rats get to Mars? Why are the rats on Mars? Yeah, like I guess we needed some friends. So brought them as pets. So our larger discussion of, of video game adaptations, this film serves to, to sort of extrapolate at length on what goes wrong. And what goes wrong is a disrespect for the source material or a, just a pure lack of understanding of what made the source material good in the first place. And then, I feel like it's that. I, I, I feel like it's just this is people who don't play video games who don't want to do any research, who think you all are just lucky that we're making a movie out of this crappy thing that you like. <coughs> I probably sound kind of bitter, though, but I, that's how I feel. <laughs> like, you just don't get it. I mean, and if you look at Hollywood <clears throat> at a, um, adaptations across the board, when they go wrong, that certainly seems to be at the core of it, no matter where it's being adapted from is just, you don't really have like a deep respect for that source material. And so you're willing to just sort of like pick and choose change, you know, just do whatever to get the job done. And 
you know, obviously those tend to be the adaptations that, that are going to fail. Like they're not going to be successful because they're not going to be for regular audiences or at least they might not be because, you know, there's, there's maybe going to be gaps in the story or there are going to be elements that don't seem to fit with the rest of the story. And then they're definitely not going to be for the fans who liked that thing already because you are changing it in ways that don't make sense or, or didn't seem to be necessary. But with video games, especially those early video games that had these very simple, very straightforward, you know, very sort of like stripped down stories that just propelled a player forward. In some cases, I think it's a mistake to do what this film does and fill it with a bunch of things that that don't matter to try and flesh it out, which is, is sort of what this one does, right? We've got all these extraneous characters who don't ultimately mean anything. And I understand if you need fodder for things to die in order to keep the action high, that's that's okay. But don't but give them so much screen time if that's all they're going to be there for. Yeah, and and justify their presence, right? Give us some reason to care. You know, and I could say that that's a, a general problem with most, you know, movies of this type in general is that they just don't justify why these characters need to be present other than uh, they're going to be murdered. <clears throat> So, you know, when it comes to Doom, I I don't know if I can recommend this film. It's not an especially enjoyable watch. I mean, it is. I I think Carl Urban does a good job here. Um, And and the seeds of the action star that Carl Urban was always poised to be, but I unfortunately has never really become, are here. Right. You know, he's obviously achieved tremendous success in the last few years on The Boys as this, you know, as the butcher character. And, and he's he the best Judge Dredd. <clears throat> His Judge Dredd is is fantastic. It's it's criminal that he's not been allowed to make more movies as as Dredd. We've talked about that film before. Um, you know, so I, I feel it's if you're just trying to sort of like get a if you're just a Carl Urban fan and you've never seen this for some reason, it's worth watching to see what he's able to do, even in limited quantities with this character. And I do like him as what he does. Um, Similarly for The Rock. I I don't think The Rock is bad in this film. I think it's a bit of a mismatch. And I think how they end up using him is is sort of wasted. Like, I don't know why you would put him in this particular role inside of this. And it's not that I demand that The Rock be heroic. I'm fine with him having a villain turn at the end. Um, it would have been, but how better, we got there just doesn't it, make sense. Yeah, it would have been better <clears throat> if they'd spent more time building a relationship between him and Carl Urban's character, so that when he turns out to be a dickhead, the audience is hurt by it. But in this case, I was just confused. I'm like, why are you doing this? That doesn't make a, a whole lot of, that of sense. Can be seen with the because everybody pairs up, right, and they go off and explore different areas. And and Sarge for the first chunk of the movie is paired with um, Destroyer, uh, that character, and I'm like, why isn't he paired with Grim? Yeah, right. They should be together so that we can see their rapport, their bond. We got to split up know. the star power so that we have a yeah. star in every scene. Exactly. We couldn't. We could only afford Rock on these days, and Carl Urban wasn't available or whatever. And I, I just again, it, there are a lot of choices made there that just don't really don't really make a ton of sense. And and then these changes that happen in the story sort of fall apart. Um, you know, and, and again, just the biggest omission is, or the biggest 
the biggest omission from the game and the biggest change they made that was was not necessary was removing that these are demons, right? And, and adding in this like a subplot that they end up spending at least a good 20 to 25 minutes explaining. And that I think is, is the biggest thing because saying they're demons coming through a portal to hell that we opened takes that long to explain, right? Like you're done. You don't have to say anything else. Everyone's on board. We opened a portal. Demons came through. And you don't even have to say it. That's really easy to show. You can just show you the can portal. show not tell exactly yeah um but with this one we've got to have all these scenes of them being like oh why are these beings what why why are they kind of like humans I don't understand he's got he has a heart that's so strange Ugh. and and it's just like well, why why waste all this time just to get to the same end point this is a big monster that we need to kill you know uh and so there's there's not much to recommend with Doom two thousand five. Yeah, I don't I think, recommend it. No, I, I think it serves as a lesson of where video game adaptation goes the most wrong. It does have the first person shooter sequence, sequence, which if you've never seen it, you can probably find that on YouTube. And it is interesting at the very least. It's not good, but it's interesting. And then, you know, there's an urban performance here, a rock performance here. So, you know, I can't say that 2005 Doom is worth sort of going back in time and trying to engage with. It's, it's really not cool. like it's not Uwe Boll bad. No. But it's also not fun mm. to watch. Yeah. Like I've, at I've, least like there's yeah. something gleefully bad about the Uwe Boll game adaptation. Right. And and I guess we should explain briefly. So Uwe Boll is is a German filmmaker who used primarily tax credits to get super low budget movies based on video game properties made. Uh, like the first, right. The first and most famous was probably his, his uh, house of the dead film, which is awful. I mean, it it's, you know, red letter media, best of the worst material. There's visible yeah. dolly track and scenes. Like it's, it's so amateur. They somehow got Jurgen Prock now to show up. And I felt so bad. I was like, Oh, poor Jürgen really wasn't Prock busy. Now. Yeah. And hopefully you got a good payday out of it. You know, Got to put that second pool in. But like those and, movies are, are, are that way on purpose. Yes. They're bad, you know, because he's they're an like asylum film and, bad. Yeah. Like they're, they're intended to be these sort of like schlocky, stupid films. But this movie definitely wanted to be more than that. I think it, it really it thought that it was nailing something and it really didn't. No, it missed the mark pretty much across the board. I've just, it's, I've never seen a more, turgid action film yeah you know it just it doesn't go anywhere there's no propulsion and and that makes me sad you know this was not a cheap film i mean it was 60 million which in 2005 was fairly substantial you know um it just i i guess i can briefly mention okay so what you know this movie's bad obviously they're going to come back to the well for doom at some point they did make another doom film uh three or four years ago called doom annihilation and somehow inexplicably it makes most of the same mistakes as this one 
it reinstates the demon stuff because you know it's the Obama administration. No one cares. Yeah. Well, it wasn't. Demons at that are cool time. now. It wasn't at that time actually. It was the Trump administration. But um, Fuck, but yeah. demons are fine. No one cares. No one cares about demons. We'll shoot We're demons fine. all day long. Love demons. But it's still like a nameless group of boring space marines. It's still endless shadowy hallways of nondescript locations. Just, I don't get how you can screw up a story that's this simple, right? Yeah. And 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 here's where I, the Richard Brake comparison comes full circle. Mandy is a Doom film. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, Mandy is, the back half of Mandy, when he goes on his, like, murder rampage, Nick Cage-fueled murder rampage. That is the energy of a Doom game. That is the energy of a Doom. Rip and right? tear. Just unstoppable rip and tear. And and those bikers look just like demons. <laughs> they could be. I mean, they called them demons in the movie. I mean, um, it, I believe like, it. That's, that's the energy, right? Like, it's not so much the visual. I mean, not even all the visual qualities and stuff, but it's this, this like, singular focus on absolute destruction. And whether your motivation is revenge or your motivation is survival, it doesn't really matter. But that's like how a Doom movie should feel to me. And instead, they go for this sort of like high-gloss, slick sci-fi approach. And I would understand getting confused if you didn't actually play the game and think that Doom is a sci-fi franchise. It has sci-fi elements, but like, like most good media from the 90s, it's so heavily influenced and blended in with other things that that's just one piece of the backdrop. It's just part of the, like, we need to get to Mars. So how else are we going to get to Mars but with a little bit of science fiction? But once yeah. you're on Mars, all of that science fiction stuff becomes unimportant, right? Like, we don't need to be in labs. We don't need to be having conversations. We don't need to be, like, discovering truth. We just need to be slaying demons to accomplish goals, right? That's it. And... You know, it, it. I I hope that someone will learn from the lessons of this, and if there is another Doom film, if they do, you know, take another stab, which I I don't know if they will, to be honest. Um, and that's okay because we have the video games and it's fine. But I hope that they look at it and say, it's it's the vibe that matters, right? It's it's the energy of the story being told that ultimately makes the most you know, should rank as the most important. And, and maybe somebody will get that right. Right. Maybe somebody finally will, will sort of come to it and be, you know, in the right spot. It's, it's possible you'd get into a halo situation where it's just a guy in armor who's killing things. And we, we just certainly can't have a story about that. So we got to take the helmet off and we have to have emotional problems. And he has to have like a, you know, long lost family member that finds him in the woods or something. Like, I don't know. Like we just, we've, we've seen people who just not willing to sort of like fully engage with the and, premise, you know? And I think that's why my stance is still adaptation is bad. Even if it's good, it's not necessary. Sure. Um, this, the few times that we've made video game movies work, it's still in my mind hasn't been worth it. That it's like, well, I, I still, after I see those movies, I still recommend play the video game. For sure. And yeah. 
uh, if that's the only thing that comes out of it, like, did there really need to be a movie? <laughs> yeah, ultimately, I like, I, I think that's also an, an important thing in the process of adapting other media is to look at it and say, I mean, what is the justification for this to exist? Like, what are yeah. we going to bring to it? Like, obviously with the last of us, you know, to circle back around to that, Mason saw places where he could push into the corners and justify the existence of a television show based on something that was already basically cinematic. And in that case, you know, I think he made some smart decisions and and made it work. But ultimately, a ju- a, an adaptation needs to justify its own existence. If it only exists as a brand extension, right, or something like that, then then I think you've already made the mistake. You've already messed up. I agree. You know, it, it needs to be something that has to exist. You know, like Lord of the Rings is a good example, right? <clears throat> Lord of the Rings, the film's function is a good adaptation because they they ultimately became their own thing, right? Yeah. You can certainly be a fan of both and see how both of them interact with each other and and expose areas of that world and, and allow you to, you know, enmesh in it and see it and, you know, live it and breathe it and whatever else you want to say. But ultimately, you know, I, I know a lot of people who are big fans of the books don't really care for the movies and vice versa because ultimately they're a different thing. And they had to decide early on that this thing doesn't have to be this thing exactly. And that's okay. But the reason why it's a good adaptation is that the spirit of the thing is the same. Yeah. Right. And, and that's a hard thing to master. And unfortunately doom doesn't get us there. No, it does not. Not even uh, close. So we'll wrap up. Like I said, so this has been sort of a, a discussion of adaptation wrapped in the discussion of a bad video game adaptation of which there are others, right? You know, you can go watch mortal Kombat annihilation for a bad video game. adaptation. Oh yeah. That's a good uh, one. doom annihilation. Also bad video game adaptation. Um, but in the hopes that, you know, as people who love the video games for what they are, played them, appreciate them, do sort of move into other areas of, of media creation. Maybe we can see some people who do approach these, see something in that world that they want to sort of push some story that they want to tell and then can find cool ways into it and justify the existence of these adaptations. Um, as again, more than just multimedia brand extensions of our cinematic universe, you know, or whatever. So, uh, in any case, uh, probably not going to be able to recommend doom 2005. Uh, it is an interesting oddity of that era of filmmaking of that era of visual effects technology. Um, it is a, if you like Carl urban, you'll get some Carl urban in here. That's okay. If you like the rock, you'll get a bit of the rock, but ultimately this is a, a rough watch. It's, it's two hours poorly spent, unfortunately. So no recommendation from me. The, uh, the people at the time, they were correct. This is a failure pretty much across the board, <laughs> not a failure beat. Uh, so how about you? Uh, I'm in the same boat. I think, I think people should watch this because I had to watch this. And now I think you should have to watch it too, because I don't I mean, want to suffer should alone. Be shared. Yeah. It should be a shared. Experience. Um, that's not fair. <laughs> so other than that though, there's really no reason to watch this. It's not, I, if it, as I've said at several points, if this movie were having any fun, 
I would probably feel differently. But it is a joyless, bad adaptation. Oh, yes. And one more one more point I wanted to make, and this might be a good one to close on anyway. It might be enjoyable to watch this film as a training tool for how not to use music in your movie. Mm. Because the number of times that some sort of like hard grinding, like new metal guitar riff just pops in over characters walking down a hallway, working in a laboratory, either moving from one place to another. And it, and it's, and it's like trying to inject it with energy, like, bom, 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 <laughs> you know, or something. It's just apropos of nothing comes out of nowhere. This movie like has the weirdest musical cues of any film that I've watched in the last decade easily. They just make no sense. They come from nowhere and they, and most of them sound terrible. So that too, it, it might be an interesting thing, but yes, um, we all deserve to suffer. So if you want to suffer, then watch doom. Yeah. Uh, otherwise let's go ahead and agree that this one can be relegated to the bin of film history, hopefully to be forgotten. Nobody soon. needs to see it, <laughs> but we'll be back next time to hopefully talk about another film that falls on the other side of the line. Uh, an overlooked gem, something that uh, may be worth your time. And we'll hope that maybe we get a couple of good adaptations in the meantime. Uh, but yeah, until next time, we'll see you then. Bye bye. <laughs>